Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi everyone and welcome to the Delicious Yellow podcast with me Matthew Mills and my wife and business partner Ella Mills. Hi guys, how are you? So I'm really excited about today's episode. I'm lots of people this year are doing Veganuary or January is a time where we kind of up our veggie intake. There's obviously a lot of conversation at the moment around plant-based diets, veganism, vegetarianism, flexitarianism. I don't even know how many other words there are for this topic, but lots of questions around it. Also, if you can hear a little pitter-patter, that's Austin, our dog, just wandering <laughs> around the studio. He is currently kissing Alice, who is our <laughs> guest today. Um, the brilliant Alice McIntosh, who um, I met um, a few years ago, who really helped me with quite a lot of my health issues. And I've been seeing her ever since and she felt like the perfect person to come on today. And we're going to do a bit of, I guess, myth busting and question answering around a plant-based diet and nutrition. So welcome, Alice. Thank you, guys. It's great to be here. So I think one of the things that's interesting is that there's so much. This is quite a new topic. I mean, I know for me, I changed my diet to a plant-based diet back in 2012. So not actually that long ago. But at that point, everyone thought I was mad. You know, everyone was like, what will you eat? As if I'd only eat lettuce and tomatoes and air. (laughs) You know, there was a kind of real confusion around it. And, you know, we've seen more and more of it. But I think it hasn't come without questions. You know, questions around things like B12, protein, calcium, iron. Yeah. If you are cutting out meat and fish, you need to be really mindful of of the potential deficiencies that might come with that. Um, You can certainly do it well. Um, But you've just got to be a little bit more cautious and conscientious about what you're eating. So when it comes to protein, you need to be thinking about protein is really important from a structural perspective. It's really important for building our muscles and our bones and our organs. But it's also important chemically. Um, It helps build our hormones and our neurotransmitters. So we really need to get lots of it. The general guideline is to be going, the government recommend to get around, they they sort of base it on your weight. So it's like 08 grams of protein per kilogram so that Which would equate, for a male is what about 55 yeah grams yeah or so a day? maybe slightly yeah around 55 around that kind of mark it's going to depend on how active you are yeah. and also things like you know if you're doing marathon running you're going to need more if you're pregnant you're going to need more so it does change at different times of your life but for, for a general goal that's what you should be aiming for some people think that it should be slightly more it should be more like sort of 60 to 70 grams depending on on your age and your weight um you can definitely do this with a vegan diet, but it's going to take a little bit more, uh, you've got to be a little bit more conscientious, basically. So 
The key thing to think about with protein is, first of all, the amount that you're getting, but also the types of protein, because proteins are built themselves of amino acids. So they're the building blocks of protein. And there are 20 amino acids, so 20 individual building blocks, and around nine of them are you you have to get through your diet. Your body can't make itself. And but the body makes the other 11. The, yes, yeah. exactly. So if you're eating meat and fish, you can get those in quite easily. But if you are only eating plant-based And is foods, that because they are complete sources of protein? Yes. Because yes. I think that phrase gets thrown yes, around Yes, you lot. hear that phrase being thrown around exactly. So complete sources of protein contain around, contain pretty much all those 20 amino acids. But Things like beans and pulses and nuts and seeds don't contain all of them. So they might contain five, six, seven, but they don't always contain all nine. So you have to make sure that you're getting variety amongst your different plant-based proteins. So you might have a plate with some uh, chickpeas or three different types of beans, and you might have some seeds in some kind of sauce or a tahini dressing or something like that, which will hopefully give you the whole complement. Now, you don't have to get a whole complement every single meal, but you should be aiming to get variety throughout the day, throughout the week, as much as possible to make sure you're not missing out on those key building blocks. Because that was the question I also had, is how much does it matter what you have in one meal versus one day versus one week? If you see what I mean, Mm. in terms of like, you know, not just looking at protein here, but your kind of complete nutritional sort of spectrum. You know, is it that you need to be aiming to hit every single note in each meal presumably that's quite challenging or is it really across the day or is it just across the week it's certainly not going to be across every single meal and i would say if you have you know the odd bad day then that's not going to be a problem you know your body doesn't necessarily that we talk about daily guidelines because that's the easiest way to get it to get people to understand what they need to be trying to get each day but if you miss it then you're going to catch up the next day you know or if you think about it per week and you're getting most of those nutrients in or that most of those proteins in per week then that that's going to be absolutely fine we all have days where we don't eat perfect diet you know the body has stores for things like that exactly um, so the, the other thing would be to consider is the amount of protein that you're getting so there's the, there's the amino acids and then there's the amount and the protein uh, well plant-based sources of food do, do also tend to contain less protein total so you really need to be making sure that you're getting enough of those protein-based foods on your plate you know a lot of vegans when they're potentially starting out and haven't really realized this might be loading up on a lot of carbohydrates but not actually getting enough of those protein sources so you need to make sure that they form sort of 30 percent 40 percent of your plate and what are the best sort of sources sources as in yeah so Certainly things like beans and pulses yeah. and things like nuts and seeds are going to be at the top of this. Things like tahini are great. Soy is a, is a big one. It actually is one of the plant-based uh, protein sources that has, it is a complete source. So edamame beans are a great source of of all the amino acids. He loves edamame beans. <laughs> I love edamame. Yeah, tofu would be another one. I mean, you know, some people find that that doesn't really work for them, but that is also a good source. Nut milks, you know, yeah. hemp seeds as well. Hemp seed milk in particular is much higher in protein than, say, almond milk, um, which is good to know for some people. You know, even things like flax seeds, chia seeds, but even things like broccoli and kale, some vegetables also contain, you know, not huge amounts, but some protein. So... You should be able to do it as long as you're aware of it. And having a varied diet, which seems to be from other, also other topics we've looked at, like gut health and things like that, this varied diet we come back to like time and time again, just seems to be the key, basically the cornerstone for health. And particularly, I would say with a vegan diet, because because you are, you don't have as much choice, but there is still a huge amount of choice, but you just need to get, yeah, variety amongst all those different things. So don't just pick one bean, get 
as many different beans as you can. Yeah. Exactly. And there's so many ways to do that. And I always say to people, like when you're cooking, for example, like if you've got a recipe, you know, like we've got, for example, like a chickpea chili, which I absolutely love. It's delicious. But you could do it with half chickpeas, half cannellini beans, or you could throw in black beans or, you yep. know, there's so many, you can take a recipe, take inspiration from it, but then add to it as well. Yep. And like same with hummus, like butter bean hummus is so delicious. So again, if you want to change up, even black bean hummus is actually really delicious as yeah. well. So you don't feel like you have to be kind of pigeonholed in. So can we come back to soy? Mm. So when I put this out to our readers that we were going to have this episode and, you know, did anyone have any particular questions? There were lots of buzzwords that came back like protein, calcium, iron, etc. But soy was a question that we had from people. I think soy is a really confusing topic for people. Some people really rely on it for a protein source. You know, there's more kind of um, fast food using like tofu and tempehs and things like that in yeah. terms of the vegan space. But it seems a topic that confuses people a lot. Like is soy healthy? Is it not healthy? They're linked to estrogen and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think when when people started going plant-based, say 10 years ago, which, which, which was a time where it was nowhere near as popular yeah. as it is now. A lot of people were talking about soy and adding all kinds of soy products into their foods. And it's, it's one of the problems with soy is that certainly in the States, it's used as a sort of additive uh, and a sort of agent that gets added to a lot of foods to thicken things and bind mm. things up. Interesting. And that often tends to be quite processed soy. You know, soy comes from soybeans, which uh, that's what edamame yeah. are. Edamame themselves are really nutritious and really healthy and they're completely unprocessed. But when you start making uh, soy protein powders and soy milks and yogurts and all these kinds of things, they do tend to become more processed. And that's when we want to try not to be overdoing those kinds of okay. types of soy. Having things like edamame, tempeh is a particularly good protein source. It's also fermented. Um, and can be very delicious, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you would know how best how to make <laughs> it taste good because it, you know, it's it's a more challenging one generally, isn't it? But yeah, I don't it, think cooking tofu and tempeh is the easiest. I have to yeah. say, like, it's definitely mm. they've always been my kind of slight hurdles. I don't. <laughs> also, they're naturally very, very bland as yeah. well, so they soak up everything you add to them. So yeah. you've got to really yeah. add yeah. a lot of like ginger and sesame and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, they're great sources of protein, but they're great sources of things like calcium and iron as well. So important nutrients that vegans can often but potentially be at risk of deficiency of. So I would say that we need to make sure that we're not having too much of the process types. But if you if it does work for you having a modest amount, it is an allergen, so some people can't have it, they're yeah. allergic to it. But if you find you can tolerate it, having modest amounts is good. So say twice a week, for example. Okay. And you want to try to go for non-genetically modified and organic soy if you can. And just not having soy as your protein powder and and your milk and your yogurt and having having tempeh or tofu every day. If you do have a hormonal problem, there are so many reasons why that can happen. And, and again, everyone is so different. But it is something to be mindful of not overdoing too many types of soy, particularly with things you know, hormonal conditions that you might have been struggling with for quite a long time, something to be mindful of. Interesting. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so I have one more question on protein and then, then we are allowed to talk about other things. <laughs> protein powders. Because mm. that is, I feel like a bit of a buzz at the moment. It's like, pro you can't, I feel like you go into some shops and you like can't move, but for protein powders. I think the protein industry is now a $12 billion industry mm. globally. I mean, it's enormous. Really? Yeah. And we have a protein product in our, in our range. We have a... Almond and blueberry brawl, which is that's which my has, post gym go to. Yeah, exactly. Eight grams of hemp protein. protein. Yeah, mm. 
Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. But does it have, it has hemp protein powder in yes. it? Yes. It's got yeah. hemp powder in the product, yeah. yeah. It's, got, it's almonds and hemp powder that the protein comes yeah. from there. Protein powder, what's the kind of thought on that? Yeah, I, I have some mixed opinions about it. I think that for a vegan that's struggling to get enough protein in through the diet, say they can't tolerate beans yeah. or something. So they're, they're struggling to find enough protein sources that they like or that they know how to cook or, or they may be marathon training or weight training or something. It can be a really useful, easy way to get an instant delivery of amino acids into the body. Like your average protein powder per scoop will have about 20 grams, which is... So that's a lot. So yeah. that's a third of your daily allowance, so your like daily target. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And ideally what you should be aiming for each meal is to get around 20 if yeah. you can. You can actually, interestingly, only absorb about 25, depends on the person. But so actually people who are having like 40 grams of mm. protein powder oh, really? probably aren't getting all the benefits of that. So that's so interesting. So you mm. actually, there's no point in overdoing no. your protein in terms, so in one sitting, you're not mm. going to absorb more than about no. 25 grams. And, and actually can potentially put a bit of strain on the kidneys, which have to process all of that. But it's certainly something to, to be mindful of yeah. on that. So it, it can be really useful for, for really active vegans um, and also vegans that might be struggling with weight, for example, and don't want to consume excess levels of carbohydrates. But a lot of protein powders on the market are really processed, refined. They have a lot of added sugars and flavorings to make them be more palatable uh, or they have things to make them thicker and so on. All that stuff is is not so good. So you should be trying to get this sort of one with with barely no ingredients apart from the actual protein. Yeah. So brown rice protein powder, for example, or a hemp protein powder would be a brilliant one. They've also got extra fiber in them yeah. as well, some nutrients. So those are the ones, if you are having them, you want to go focus for on and, those. and focus on adding flavor with the things you're putting into a smoothie rather yeah, so than... Yeah, put in banana exactly. and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we found that when we were developing because lots of things on the market in terms of the protein space have like 20 grams of protein in a bar. And when we were developing our, our almond and blueberry protein ball, we you know thought, oh, well, maybe we'll be able to get like 12 grams of protein in there. And you just, you just, you just can't make it taste yeah. nice. Yeah. You know, so eight grams, we could have eight grams... Um, worth of protein in there and it tastes like almond and blueberry and it's well mm. I, if I say so myself I think it's really delicious yeah. and, and it's any, natural and any more than that and mm. it just tasted mm. you need to add a lot of stuff at that point which is yeah. why I presume lots of them have additives because yeah. you need the flavorings and stuff at that point mm. to be able to mask the flavor of a hemp protein or a mm. protein powder in general because like they're not mm. the most delicious things in the whole entire world yeah it does also get to the stage where they they become less and less like actual food yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know that, where's the joy in that yeah, yeah. yeah. totally yeah. exactly yeah. Yeah. exactly okay so the next kind of buzzword we've got is iron mm. we've got a lot of questions about iron and i know i've asked you about iron before mm. and we did a test and i was really pleasantly surprised yeah this was a few weeks ago to see that i wasn't deficient in iron yeah. which was brilliant yeah but I, it's definitely been something that i think we're all quite conscious of. And it seems like iron deficiency is actually generally an issue, especially amongst women. Yeah. Completely aside from vegans, plant-based eaters, vegetarians, veggie eaters, whatever we're going to call ourselves. But what do we, but to take it back a step further even, what do we need iron for and what are the best sources of plant-based iron? Yeah, so we need iron for some really, really important stuff. It's it's needed for your immune system, it's needed for energy, your thyroid needs it, it's important for mood, but it also carries oxygen around the body and your blood, which is obviously pretty important. <laughs> and it's one of those 
nutrients that when it does dip you can actually if you're kind of in tune with your body can really notice it quite quickly because you get such an energy dip well you get an energy dip and it's that kind of there's lots of different types of low energy right that you could be have low energy because you haven't slept well or because your blood sugar is low but low iron is more of a fatigue kind of feeling heavy limbs heavy arms you know legs and heavy head sometimes you can sometimes feel faint and you can sometimes get headaches. So it's it's needed for lots of stuff and it's it's one that you can notice quite quickly. So how much do we need and, and, and that side of things? We need, the government say around 14 milligrams per day. That increases if you're, again, if you're pregnant and women need, need more than men because obviously... Is that because of our periods? Exactly, yeah. So so most women, if you're having periods each month, are going to be losing iron. Um, so because you, you're losing blood. Exactly, yeah. So, so and, and also if you are having children, then you are... Having you're losing even more blood. You're having to create so much, much more blood whilst you're pregnant, and then you're losing some of that. So, breastfeeding as well would also be a time where your iron um, stores can become depleted. What, what are the best sources of plant-based iron? Yeah, so there are lots of plant-based um, sources, and again, it's a lot of things like the beans and pulses, um, things like kidney beans, adzuki beans. It's found in, again in things like cashew nuts and tahini. Um, it's found in chia seeds. It's also found in vegetables, you know, the sort of spinach and kale and that side of things. The only thing is that you've got to be aware of is that there are different types of iron. There's plant-based, there's obviously the plant-based iron, yeah. which is non-heme, and then there's the uh, animal-based iron, which is heme. And the body absorbs heme really well, but it doesn't absorb the plant-based non-heme as easily. So we, Does that mean you need more? It means that you ideally, some research suggests that you need almost double. Interesting. Um, so there are things that can help you absorb it better. So there are things uh, like vitamin C, AIDS absorption. That was one of my questions, Yeah, yeah so, so yes, it, that does help. Also, fermented foods can help you get more of that heme iron. And really? Yeah, yeah, that can help with in, in the gut as well. So, And that's just because it helps your gut process it? or It's, it's more to do with absorption. Yeah, processing and absorption. If you have coffee or tea or caffeine at the same time as, as having an iron source, you might not absorb. It might impact on the absorption okay. of that. So, so it's definitely something that is so we are, your plant-based eaters are more at risk of i mean i can give you some levels yeah um, of things that have got iron edamame like half a cup's got about four and a half grams i like this edamame um, seems yeah, to be recurring yeah. and i love he, yeah. going for sushi like going to japanese is matt's best thing ever so edamame is like the first thing he orders yeah, yeah i mean not that we should be having obviously tons of that in moderation in, in all yeah. ways with diet so dulse and some some seaweeds have got decent sources of iron sometimes around 11 grams for half a cup that would be quite a big source yeah i mean you probably wouldn't eat as much as half a cup of dulse but it's it's to give you an idea of how much is in there lentils lentils have got more protein actually than beans and often more iron so we're looking at about three and a half grams per half cup Um, dark chocolate raw cacao or even just having dark chocolate doesn't have to be cacao is a good source of iron um around four grams per serving so you you just need to make sure you're getting decent Again, sources every diet. day. Yeah, a varied diet, exactly. And you should hopefully be getting enough of them. If you notice... Again, low energy. Sometimes sometimes women can find hair falling out as a yeah. sign of their iron levels dropping. So it's worth getting it checked. If you've been a long-term vegan or vegetarian, or, or maybe you have heavy periods or you've had a couple of children, maybe get it checked with the doctors and just be sure. Yeah. And then okay. go for Japanese food and eat chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll all be golden. <laughs> <laughs> and how about fatty acids and omega-3? 
Yeah. So one of the great things about vegans and plant-based eaters is they don't seem to be too afraid of fats. You know, they don't have that fear. And we know now more and more research is pointing towards the benefits of getting enough fats and just how important the right types of fats are in the diet. Yeah, people um, used to be so scared mm, of Where everything, I think, through paleo and Atkins diet, everything was yeah. just so protein-focused. Yeah. Mm. I so think in, people still are frightened, actually. Yeah. I, yeah. I have a lot of clients that are still just can't get their head around the fact that it's got calories, more calories than they want, and they, they're scared of it but we know that the right types of fats the good fats have a lot of important benefits to the body um, they're required to make our brains work properly they're important for our mood they're important for our hormone balance they reduce inflammation um, they're needed for skin and hair everything from that down to you know your immune system their their cardiovascular health they're really really important joint health and we need, we again, with all things in diet, you need a variety of different types of fats. So saturated fats, which have the worst name, actually we need some of those saturated fats. And vegans having coconut oil and macadamia nuts should get, you know, some saturated fats from those which are important for the body. We shouldn't be cutting those out totally. You've got polyunsaturated fats, which are omega-3 and 6, and monounsaturated fats, which are things like olive oil and avocado. But and so key, you want all three of those? You want all of them, yeah. And which yeah. are the quote-unquote bad fats? Because I think fats, because that's trans fats that mm. we don't want, is that correct? Yeah, tra- trans fats would be the ones that we want to try and avoid where possible. And they tend to be the more processed fats, so like margarines and... Uh, it, it, trans fats also occur when oils are heated too too high okay. because they, they're unstable. Under so like heat, a deep frying oils. process. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And sort of ready meals and things like that can often contain trans fats. Interesting. Um, so those are the ones you want to be trying to avoid. But vegans generally tend to get most of the good types of fats. The one, the other one to think about not getting too much off would be vegetable oils. Yeah. So you know, using corn oil or sunflower oil and using a lot of that in cooking, not so good. And and the reason for that is because of this balance of omega-3 to omega-6. Yeah. So to, to sort of summarise that, you might have heard as, as a plant-based eater that you need to have this ratio of three to six. Yes. And that's really important. So we need to have a little bit more six than, than we have three. So and the ratio is, is about three to one. Because it's it, they're needed for lots of various things in the body. Okay, but um, we need more sixes in our body than we do of threes. Y- yes, but but the problem is with a vegan diet, omega-6 is pretty abundant in a vegan diet because you're eating so many things like nuts and seeds, different oils and different vegetables and so on, different vegetable oils that you tend to get enough things like avocado do they fall into Uh, that to some extent yeah they are more of the monounsaturated okay yes they do have some omega-6 um so you should get enough of those quite easily but the omega-3s are the ones that you tend to be at more risk of deficiency of because they are found in walnuts flaxseed chia seeds um hemp seeds hemp seeds as well yeah they're also found in some green leafy vegetables but you sometimes it, it you're not getting enough of those to to balance that ratio of six to three. Yeah. The other thing is that there are different types of omega-3 and the types that you get from a vegan diet are not the same as the types, they're not the most active forms in the body, if that makes sense. So when you eat fish, you get what's called EPA and DHA. And they're the really anti-inflammatory beneficial omega-3s. When you eat flaxseed, you get ALA. And actually, you need to convert that to these other types of more active okay. types. But so again, do you need a little bit more? You need to try to get more, but also you need to make sure you've got enough zinc in your diet because that helps with that conversion. So um, you can also, some algae have got some DHA in there. Um, so so it's not like a spirulina or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not impossible at all. It's just something that you need to be mindful of. 
if if you've eaten a plant-based diet for a long time. Generally speaking, no matter how you eat, we all need to be aware, basically, of having a varied diet, whether you're vegan or not vegan. Is, yeah. it, is that kind of right in saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the more variety you get, the less chance of deficiency. If you're eating the same foods all the time, and the thing is, as nutritionists, we don't want deficiencies and things. We want to just get as much variety in the diet as possible. So if you are... For, exa- like for example, with vegetables, those different types of fibre are going to support different types of gut bacteria in the gut. And the more variety you get on that front, the better and healthier you're going to hopefully yeah. be. So um, it's so interesting. Yeah. Okay, so we have a couple more key questions. Okay, because you just mentioned zinc. So mm. then kind of calcium, magnesium, zinc, those sort of core groups what are our best sources of something? Calcium was one of the really big questions that yeah. we got from um, readers for today's episode. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So calcium is another one, a bit like iron. When you think of dairy, when you yeah, think I just think of milk. Totally, think of calcium, that's what yeah. we've been yeah. kind of taught from a young age. And I it's think not, people it's... believe that calcium doesn't exist in anything outside <laughs> yeah. of dairy. Actually, yeah, you must have your glass of milk to get your yeah. calcium. My mum had made like my mum made us when we were kids because that was exactly what she had kind of been told so we had to have a glass and I never ever liked milk it always freaked me out a bit I don't know why there's something about that I don't I couldn't handle it Um, (laughs) and I never liked it so it was always a bit of a battle at home but my mum used to make us drink a glass of milk for breakfast and dinner every single I mean obviously we got food as well Mm. but with our breakfast (laughs) and our dinner every single day on the presumption that if we didn't do that, we'd have no calcium in our diets. Yeah, yeah, no bones yeah, yeah, yeah. Grow. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it couldn't be further from the truth that it's only calcium found, that it's only found in dairy. There are so many sources of of calcium. So, again... What are some plant-based sources so of calcium? So, it, it, it comes back down to, like, our beans and our pulses and our chickpeas, our lentils. It's also found tahini. In, in... Tahini, yeah, a good source. Make loads seeds. of hummus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sesame seeds and things like that. But it's also in vegetables that have got a thick stem. So, like, bok, bok choy, for example, okay. or, like, tender stem broccoli or, or normal broccoli, cauliflower, those things, types of things. Um, okra is another good yeah. one, another great source of calcium. The only, again, edamame contains some calcium. <laughs> Tahini, yes. uh, sorry, okay. chia seeds are yeah. another really good one for calcium. But the main thing to be aware of is that there are some types of plant-based calcium that you don't absorb very well. So, for example, things like spinach and chard and like collard greens. Yeah. They actually contain something called oxalates, which stops you absorbing as much of the calcium. So you want to try to get, again, it just comes back down to variety. You're still yeah. going to get some of it, but you might not get as much of it. Okay. Um, so it's just something to be mindful of, yeah. but really important to make sure you're getting enough. Yeah. yeah, that was one of the other things we tested recently, and I was very pleased to be definitely not deficient in, because I think it is a kind of fear among plant-based eaters that you would be, and I was really excited to see actually like eating a very very diet but without kind of overthinking it mm. i would say genuinely say it was it was easy to do yeah yeah ella and in your so in your personal diet what is the big watch out where you can become deficient is it just b12 which which you take supplements for yeah so i supplement b12 yeah. um and have done for the last few years i mean i try and take it every day i do forget sometimes i see a lot of vegans in my clinic who are deficient in zinc 
not all of them, but it's it's actually quite a common deficiency. More um, so than protein. Yes, I would say so. I mean, generally, I'm always encouraging my vegan clients to try and get more protein if they mm-hmm. can, if they're not eating enough of it. But I, if I, I test zinc and it's low, um, I see a lot of people for skin problems, for example, and hormonal imbalances and immune imbalances, and zinc's very important for all of those things. And that's a general deficiency in the population. Well, I mean, well, in my clinic, yeah, I see. I mean, I don't have a, I don't know whether there are figures on a general yeah, deficiency. Yeah, but you see but it in, ev- in lots and lots of people. I see it in, in more people than than other nutrients, for sure, um, other minerals. It's one of those ones that stressed out people people that are not always getting enough sleep or if they're drinking and smoking all those things being exposed to sort of pollution and lots of long distance air travel um long haul air travel can be more, at more risk of zinc deficiency so i i see that in my clinic and zinc is also found in lots of meat and things like things like meat and fish but yeah. in a plant-based diet it's totally available as well and things like again it's tahini sunflower seeds pumpkin seeds oats are a good source so yeah we want to be trying to get those things in okay so ot breakfast eat loads of edamame beans go for japanese food yeah. and make all the hummus those are my takeaways which yeah. i'm thrilled yeah. with all and, of them and raw cacao or chocolate oh yeah so, eat loads of, yeah, so go for japanese eat loads of chocolate and eat all the hummus it sounds pretty doable to me okay so then the kind of key other thing so b12 we just touched on um so yes. b12 is the one thing am i right in saying you can't get in a vegan diet that is, yeah, absolutely correct. I think there were some people at one stage that thought that you could either get enough through, the, the thought that you could get it through plant-based sources. True. Am I right in saying I think people felt you could get it through spirulina and yeah. chlorella yeah. and things yeah. like that? Exactly. And can you just remind us why we need B12? Yeah, so B12 is another big one for some really fundamental things. It helps you make your DNA. So That's it's pretty very, key. It's <laughs> quite important, yeah. It's also needed to... Well, it helps support a reaction called methylation in the body. And that's needed for lots and lots of things, including things like liver function, hormone balance, mood, cardiovascular support. So really important for all that kind of stuff. It's it's important for energy production. It's involved with the management of iron and zinc. So they all kind of work together and synergistically. So it's, it's a really, really important nutrient. And we store B12. So if you've been eating, say, meat or fish or eggs or dairy in your life, you would have probably built up a bit of a store of B12. But the longer you're plant-based for, the more those stores can become depleted. And, and you need um, to supplement it. So, so you do need to supplement it, yeah. So you can't get it through algae. And you're, some people thought that your gut fermentation processes might make enough B12, but it's, it's not the case. Okay. You have to supplement it. But it's one of those ones And how many grams tested. a day, you, uh, roughly? I mean, it's, it's the kind of, you need to get your level tested to okay. work out what you need. It's going to be dependent on different people. But doctors, you can easily go to your doctor if you're plant-based and get it tested. Yeah. And I, I'd, I would recommend doing that every year if you can. Okay. But as, I think you said this the other day to me that again, B12 is something that actually quite like it's not just people in a plant based diet, it's a general deficiency that we're seeing now in the country. Is that right? Yeah, you're right, actually. It is one that is on the more common list of deficiencies. So interesting. Yeah. Again, is it to do with the fact that people are just not realizing that they're not eating enough protein? Yeah. You know, people are moving more towards a plant based diet and just not realizing that that's something that they need to keep an eye on yeah so hopefully that message will get across um okay and then the last question um in terms of vitamins and minerals and the rest of it was vitamin d um obviously um, i just think about getting that lying on the beach yeah i know <laughs> and like i obviously we all lived in california or somewhere <laughs> like sri lanka and there's here in gray you know. rainy london 
Yeah, it seems like we might not be getting so much vitamin D in our lives. Yeah, yeah, especially at this time of year. So that is certainly one of the most common deficiencies that you find in in the general population, certainly in the Northern Hemisphere, but in the UK. And if you're if you've got darker skin, so the more dark your skin is, the more pigment you've got, the more melanin, and the stronger the sunlight you need. So if you are in in England and you this sun this level of sunlight might not be strong enough for you so you might need to consider supplementing or getting at least tested but some people who don't like going in the sun also you know some people put lots of sunscreen on and completely stay out of the sun they're also at risk of it but at this time of year even if you're outside in in direct sunlight, which doesn't happen, to be honest, very often. I mean, how many up. really sunny days are there yeah. anywhere this time of yeah. year? And you're covered up because it's cold. It's it's you're you're very unlikely to be able to get enough. So unless you go, and to, what are the effects of not having enough vitamin D? So um, and how do you get it outside of sunlight? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it is well, it, the vitamin D is needed for a huge array of things in the body. So your immune system needs vitamin D to function properly. It actually behaves more like a hormone, vitamin okay. D, than a natural vitamin. But it's it's needed for, yeah, hormone balance itself. It's needed for your immune system, mood, it would seem. It's important for bone health. That's probably the biggest one that we know about. But, you know, more research is needed to, to kind of explain all of these things that it's needed for. But signs that you may not have enough, it's a tricky one because we don't know for sure, actually. And how do you get it outside of just something? So oily fish is a great source of of vitamin D, as are things like eggs, egg yolks. Mushrooms that have been left outside in the sun, interestingly, produce some vitamin D. Really so if they sunbathe, then you can... Things <laughs> sunbathe like your mushrooms. Can your mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard about massaging yeah. kale and now yeah. we're sunbathing mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. They might contain more vitamin D if you do that. But generally, it's going to be quite difficult to get enough of that for yeah. your diet, even, even as a... No matter what you yeah, eat. Exactly. So that's so, probably a best as a So supplement. it's one that you, you should get tested and yep. probably might need to supplement. Yeah. One question I had was, I've heard that when you have lots of sunscreen on, you can't absorb the vitamin D as readily. Is that true? Well, it's not about absorbing it. It's about making it in okay. the skin. So you make vitamin D when your skin is exposed to sunlight. Okay. And if you if you have sunscreen on, it blocks the UVA and UVB rays and you can't okay. make the vitamin D. So it's advisable in this country to try and get, I think the government say to try and get like 20 minutes of of direct exposure. Of direct exposure. You might want to be careful about doing that on your face, for example, but yeah. say on your back. If people who are really sensitive to the sun, you know, need to be really careful with that. But that's that's a yeah. good and not a midday on the hottest day of the year. Yeah, but. yeah. So basically, what I've my conclusion anyway is that from a plant based diet, you should really be able to get everything you need. The only supplements that it for the general and obviously everyone's it will have their their individual circumstances but broadly speaking it's b12 and vitamin d are mm-hmm. the two kind of major watch ads and everything as long as you're eating a diverse and varied diet we've heard from megan ross who told us about trying to eat 30 different plant-based foods a week mm-hmm. where yeah. if you're doing that you should be getting everything else that you need anyway it's really just b12 and vitamin d that are the kind of watch ads that you may need to be supplementing where everything else you should be getting if you're eating uh, you should in theory yeah i mean everyone's different and some people might have health conditions you yeah. know, which might require them to need more certain, more things or they might yeah. be deficient in certain things genetically for example um but on the whole yes if you're eating conscientiously you know getting lots of variety you should be able to do to do it yeah, yeah. but as you said there's no one size with anything in life mm-hmm. there's yeah. no one size fits yeah. all so as you yeah. said it's so important to make sure 
is working for you and you yeah. individually and your body rather than your friend's body or someone else's body and exactly. the way that they're doing it. Yeah. One last question I had from readers, which we had loads of questions on, so I can't not ask you, is fibre. Now, some people say they're inspired suddenly to do meat-free Monday or just up their veggie intake and, you know, they've been more like two a day and they're suddenly, right, I'm going to do my five a day, maybe they do six a day, seven a day, and they're really trying to up this veggie and fruit intake. As a result, they suddenly are eating loads of fibre that they weren't eating before and then people mm. say they get so much bloating mm. and things like that. Mm. Can, you, can you give us a, a thought process on yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, any, any change in the diet, you know, sometimes your body can take a bit of time to get used to it. Yeah. And uh, certainly with something like if you go from eating one or two sources of veg a day to having all of a sudden, you know, seven sources of vegetables plus a plus a load of, you know, beans and pulses, that can be a big jump. And you'll probably so, poop a lot more, is that? Yeah, certainly, <laughs> yeah. certainly. And, you know, some people can find they get really gassy. Yeah. And some people, you know, who have a more sensitive digestion can feel that more. Yeah. What I would say is uh, you might want to do it a little bit more gradually, yeah. but... If you are someone that has more sensitive digestion, then some people can struggle with foods that contain FODMAPs. Yes. Now, this is this is something that you might need one-on-one support with um, or speak to your doctor about, but there are certain types of vegetables that contain more of those FODMAPs and beans and pulses, plant, some plant-based foods fit under that category as well. And some people find that when they choose the vegetables that don't contain those, so tomatoes, for example, don't have many FODMAPs, but broccoli and brussels sprouts which are a classic food for making, making people says, really gassy yeah everyone yeah. says brussels sprouts yeah. make you fart i mean that's yeah. the, that's the old joke yeah, isn't exactly it? yeah and lentils for some people but some you might find that just being a little bit more choosy on that front might be better for you yeah yeah um, so again coming back to exactly that what we said it's just making it work for you individually yeah. and yeah making slow gradual yeah. steady changes rather than ever feeling like you've got to change everything at once yeah exactly so Alice, that has been incredibly insightful and I think we've both learned a huge amount and we hope all listeners have as well. The way we typically end each episode is by asking our guest what a ritual or routine or a practice that they live by each day is. Mm. Do you have one? Ooh, it's an interesting one being as it's the new year <laughs> as well. Um, yeah, actually, I have I have an interesting one. So I used to be one of these people that um, was straight onto my phone first thing in the morning yeah. um, in bed, which is awful. We're and also guilty I kn- of that. I know, yeah, guilty I know you've that. spoken about this. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, we're getting better at it, I must say. Yeah, it's not easy. It's yeah. not easy. I decided that, um, and I took it slow. I don't always manage it. I get out of bed before I turn my phone on. I just do some journaling. So that doesn't necessarily mean like I sit and write for like an hour, but I might just write down some affirmations for the day or a couple of goals or some things I'm grateful for. And then I can, I do that with a cup of tea which I always make, that's another big ritual, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> herbal tea normally. And that I find is something I'm trying to do more of that I've really enjoyed. Meditation is another one I try to do, but yeah. it, you know, I, it doesn't always manage to fit into my schedule. That one seems to be quite realistic for me. Okay. That's something I'm doing at the moment. Nice. <laughs> I love that. Nice. We, do you know what? We've had lots of people say journaling or gratitude lists mm. or something like that. And it's, less phone. Yeah, and less phone. It's, yeah. it's mm. a complete, seems to be for everyone that these things make a massive impact in their life. We're trying to do less phone, not charging by the bed. You're charging on the other side 
side of the room, my charger's in another room. And that makes a massive difference because the temptation isn't there in the morning. But Matt's Christmas present, I did get him something else as well, but I also <laughs> bought him alarm clocks. <laughs> so that we had clocks. Yeah. Just because I said to people, I'm not going to use my phone in bed. And they're like, well, how will you know the time? Mm. Like, yeah. yeah, true. Oh, we'll get a sad lamp, yeah. uh, which wakes you up in the morning. Yeah, those are genius. vitamin D, mm. yeah. <laughs> and then we're trying to do 10 minute meditation before we go to bed. Which has been, yeah, yeah. We'll I'm see how long it stays. Mm. But. No, we're loving it. Loving we're it really, so really far. It. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, it's just it's just making realistic objectives like that, isn't it? Because yeah. uh, some of these things can be really difficult to maintain totally. when you're really busy and just being kind to yourself. I can't always do it, and that's totally fine. Exactly. The thing I found though is that even though meditation feels like one more thing you're doing in the evening, it sends me to sleep so much quicker anyway because mm. it quietens my mind. You're passed so. out mm. within, like, you have to say goodnight to me before the meditation goes on because <laughs> within like one to two minutes afterwards, there's just gentle snoring. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas before, it took me a lot longer to go to sleep. So it's great. I, I actually tell a lot of my clients if they can't manage meditation, meditation because they're in a busy office all the time or they're commuting or that whatever it is they can't manage it try to do four six breathing which i know yeah, you also talk about love that. because you can do it anywhere totally and and there's a lot of sort of physiological benefits it's psychologically good and supportive but physiologically been shown to be really good for the body as well and really Feels reduce amazing. cortisol levels yeah. and four, four six breathing is when you breathe in for four, four yeah and then out for six yeah, yeah. yeah. and may, and if you can pause for a quick sec at the top yeah. and then exhale yeah Amazing. Thank you so much, Alice. My pleasure. Have a lovely day, guys. Thanks for tuning in. And please do, if you have a sec, rate us, review us, leave a comment. Makes a world of difference. And we will be back next week. Bye.